Hello and welcome at Book Lovers Companion. My name is Edith and right next to me is my lovely co-host, the Chattering Teacup. Hello. And from the land of enchantment, our guest, Paul de Blasi. Hello and welcome at Book Lovers Companion. Well, good morning to you from New Mexico and good evening to you there in Vienna to both of you. <laughs> Thank you and hello and welcome and good morning and good evening to you as well. We are here because you are a writer so far. Three books have been published. Yes, mm -hmm. uh, three books in metaphysical fiction, uh, metaphysical thrillers. Uh, before I've been a writer since 1985, uh, writing professionally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, recently, well, in the last 10 years, been publishing in metaphysical fiction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The first one was The Unholy. Then we have The Goddess of the Wild Thing. And now, last year, in February 2021, you've published Goddess of Everything. Yes, that's right. The Unholy, uh, Goddess of the Wild Thing, and Goddess of Everything, uh, each taking on separate themes. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the Unholy, the dark side of religion, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Goddess <laughs> of the Wild Thing, and it's about uh, love and whether bad love mm -hmm. is better than no love at all. Mm-hmm. Also metaphysically based and also having undercurrents of the dark oh. side of religion and then how that affects our ability to love. And then <clears throat> the goddess of everything about uh, a young man's struggle to oh. love and a mother's devouring love oh. and the struggle to break free. Oh. And also you mentioned it before, it's also heavily, I mean, re religion is heavily involved in this book. Religion is heavily involved. I'm a specialist in uh, psychology and spirituality. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, uh, in the past 30 years, I've been in private practice as a psychotherapist for 40 years. In the past 30 years, my practice has involved, evolved to, to be a trauma-based practice. Mm -hmm. So I'm mm -hmm. a trauma specialist. I treat the unconscious mind of individuals who suffered trauma, especially from those from religious backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, so each of my novels is informed by having been touched by the dark side of religion, mm -hmm. meaning that issues of guilt, fear, and fear are primary and have deeply scarred the individual mm -hmm. in their capacity to uh, be good and loving human beings and realize that there are now decisions mm. to be made with the hand that they've been dealt mm. as a result of religion and mm. the dark side of religion. Mm -hmm. As you say, religion, do the organized religions work with fear or is it a byproduct? Well, organized religions, I mean, they're so, uh, I've, I've worked with individuals across the scope of many religions, East and West, mm -hmm. primarily being Western organized religion. And uh, what, what we find in the initial development of religion many times any organized religion that I'm aware of is an original inspiration that was true, was very true. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is that from there, quite often, there develop issues of power, control, structure, dogma mm -hmm. that are then imposed on the lives of human beings, rather than something helping us to be free mm -hmm. and to think for ourselves and to live freely and uh, being informed by uh, spirituality, we'll say, by the original spiritual inspiration to live and to be good human beings. Instead, we're then uh, caught by dogmas mm -hmm. that thwart us, and fear and guilt are are very much at work at that uh, in that way. And and in each of these novels, the lives of individuals hang in the balance. Mm -hmm. Their ability to love and be loved and to live mm -hmm. at yeah. point, they wonder whether life is even worth it. I've, I've treated so many individuals abused within a religious context that simply these people do not want to live any longer. Hmm. And they, it, they felt so violated. Uh -huh. uh, and is it also a question of power? Because when, when I think of organized religion, mm. and in this case, um, the Catholic Church, it's also about absolute power, which corrupts absolutely. Yes, it does. It absolutely <laughs> does. <laughs> well, you have to, you know, if, if we stop and consider for a moment that we'll, we'll take Catholicism, every religion is, is different, uh, Eastern, very different than Western, yeah. but East, uh, Western religions, uh, especially within Catholicism, where you're looking at the clergy as a, 
the the priest is a representative of Christ on earth. Yeah. This is God yeah. incarnate, essentially. Yeah. I, 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 I'm being strong, perhaps no. hyperbolic. No, no, but no, this... no, you are co completely right. I mean, we were also brought up Catholic. I mean, the majority of the people in Austria are Catholics still. But not very strong believers. Not very devout and not very yeah. strong believers. Not anymore. But yeah, we anymore. were brought up in this in this faith. So yeah. Yes, that's what I've that's what uh, I found in my travels through Europe. I, I've seen that particularly strong in in Ireland, where mm -hmm. the abuse has been so yeah. prevalent. But uh, yes, it's it's an issue of power and uh, male power mm -hmm. and domination of 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 uh, males uh, mm -hmm. and and uh, females, women as as at the very least being treated as second class citizens mm -hmm. and i'm being kind and saying that if 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 you read uh the the unholy the first of the mm -hmm. novels mm -hmm. uh which i thought would have been my most shocking of the three there's just this utter degradation mm -hmm. of women and one woman the the young woman needing to find her way to free herself in the midst of a culture that refuses to see that what is being done is not only oppressive, it is rapacious, mm -hmm. especially yeah. to women, and uh, psychically, emotionally, and spiritually. And then the third novel actually has been caused the most uproar, Goddess really? of Everything. It's caused the most uproar. The Amazon reviews have repeatedly said, be careful, this is a very thrilling, chilling, horrifying And and uh, the reviewers have said well written, so I'm grateful for that. I hope I hope that's the case. Yes, it is. Uh, but but uh, <laughs> it's loaded with triggers, mm -hmm. okay. and uh, mm -hmm. that's what the reviewers have pretty consistently mm -hmm. said. Okay. So and and that's good to know for the readers if 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 you feel that um, that uh, hearing of and reading about a dramatization of mm -hmm. of religion gone bad, especially. Where the perpetrator, mm -hmm. different from from the unholy, the perpetrator is a male. Mm -hmm. In Goddess of Everything, it's a female. It's mm -hmm. a mother superior of the order. Yeah, I mean, it, it, sorry, Jacob, it's a creepy nun. I have to say, although we were raised Catholic, I have never met a creepy nun. <laughs> <laughs> never met a nun. Yeah, I have, but they weren't creepy. So, in mm. reality, there have been similar cases mm. as we found out in the last few years so it's not complete fiction oh. no no especially in ireland uh we see you know the yeah. the the nunneries the convents uh that were uh taking care of children much like goddess of everything and what happened to those children oh. yeah. under the auspices of the mother superior yes but isn't isn't the catholic faith for her just a vehicle Well, isn't that in many ways, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah true, true. <laughs> Indeed it is. But more so for her because uh, I also, I also, is it is it good or is it allowed to say I liked her view of the, um, let's say, the male-dominated part of the church? Oh, yes, yes, I, I, I think so. I have to agree with you, Edith. You know, I liked her view too. I could see her perspective. <laughs> She was quite assertive mm -hmm. and uh, powerful when it came to dealing with mm -hmm. clerics who thought that um, they were the next best thing to God. Uh, <laughs> in fact, perhaps they were the Almighty himself. <laughs> she, she, hers was to set the matter straight <laughs> yeah. Yeah. in a not altogether humane way. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. But that what makes the thriller part. I mean, also like yes. you said, the, the supernatural part or, or metaphysical part as well. And I'm wondering because I may be completely wrong in this case, but her her name, Juana de la Cruz, mm -hmm. it reminded me a little bit of another nun known in Mexico for her assertiveness, her interest in. Art, science, Sor Juana? Sor Juana, yes. Uh, this would be a dark Sor Juana. Ah, indeed. Dark, uh, I did get it right in a little bit. Yes, uh, okay. yes, of course. Because in depth psychology, one of the things that we see is, and within each of us as human beings, not only for individuals who have suffered uh, trauma 
as in the goddess of everything, Mother Juana, who was the quite wicked perpetrator, was also the victim of violence yep. and, 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 and abuse herself. Yep. So individuals who have great capacity for light also have great capacity mm-hmm. for darkness. Mm-hmm. And it just depends on which is fed in one's life. Mm-hmm. And when or how do we really decide which way to go? How do we really decide? You know, that's 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 the question. I, I find that uh, in working with patients, and we can see this in our own lives, perhaps if it's so hard in our own lives because it's so difficult to see the forest for the trees, but mm-hmm. in, in 40 years of working with patients and, and those who uh, who have struggled for a while then went another direction, that mm-hmm. it's not one decision, but it's a series of decisions that are made. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, uh, they seem to to uh, move from being uh, human beings with the capacity for empathy and uh, uh, the engaging the the struggle to be a good and decent person to being a person who's outright wielding power mm-hmm. and has no concern except for their own power needs. Mm-hmm. It's a series of decisions that that lead up to mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And um, so where and when, probably a series of where and mm-hmm. whens. Mm-hmm. You know. Can it also be that people sometimes feel powerless and don't, because of that, they don't see the possibilities they have to change and make small wrong decisions because they're supposed powerless. Yeah, could you tell me a little more, your perspective there? Someone is in a situation, mm-hmm. uh, they would like to change. But they feel they they don't have the possibility to do it because everything else is more or less working against them, mm-hmm. and the decisions they make are just the wrong ones, and the situation gets worse just because they think they can't do anything. Yes, of course, uh, many situations like that come to mind. Teacup. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, we we see this, of course, in in the horrors of uh, Nazi Germany, hmm. and and in the concentration camps where uh, some of the the uh, individuals in the camps actually began treating. They began to identify with the abuser. They saw no way out, hmm. no way out at all. So their only recourse in their mind was to become like. The Nazis mm-hmm. and Jews started treating Jews yeah. like as though they were their their Nazi captors, yeah. and there's an identification with the abuser. In the case of Mother Juana de la Cruz, we could assume that she saw no other way within organized religion and the darkness inherent within male patriarchy than to become more powerful, yeah. bigger, stronger than the male. Uh, clerics who dominated the scene, and she indeed did. Also, because she doesn't want to become a victim again. Oh, definitely, she does not want it. It empowers her, mm-hmm. but it's it's a collusion mm-hmm. with dark energies, mm-hmm. uh, dark spiritual forces. In in trauma work, uh, we we see uh, dreams being highly activated uh, with patients, and and I activate this within the context of storytelling. And what happens is that good energies, bad energies, in dream material, the symbolism is quite powerful of evil, mm-hmm. good decisions needed, uh, needing to be made. And there is something that that uh, in depth psychology, we, we refer to as the dark side of the archetype. Mm-hmm. And that energy can be accessed as a power base and an individual can give themselves fully over to that. Mm-hmm. They can we we see this in politics, yeah. where a certain type of politician that we see many of these politicians uh, can be very charming, persuasive mm-hmm. to a certain group of people yeah. uh, within the political scene. I, I write about religious scenes, but within the political scene, well, it's actually politics too because it's the politics of religion, mm. and they give themselves over to the dark side of the archetype. And they're mm-hmm. possessed. It's, it's commonly what we, I mean, that person is possessed. Mm-hmm. They're preserved. Mm-hmm. But they have followers. Yeah. Politics and religion in, in both cases is mm. about power. Yeah. I mean, they, power. they go about it in a different way, but it's the same goal, I think. Yeah. 
the same goal. It is the same goal. And, and just just parenthetically, in the in the novel I'm writing now, uh, it's it it looks like it's going to be a series seer, mm-hmm. and it's based on uh, uh, Algernon Blackwood, who's been a favorite writer of mine. He's a gothic writer, and he has the John Silence stories, Doctor John Silence, and he goes through his cases. He's a metaphysical doctor. Algernon Blackwood uh, calls him a psychical detective, but he's uh, a doctor who treats psychic illness. So my novels were inspired by that, These this new series. And the newest one is called Seer, hmm. uh, the case of the man who lost his soul. And it's not dealing so much with traditional organized religion as new age mm-hmm. religion, uh, a new age uh, orthodoxy that has developed in Santa Fe. Uh-huh. And Santa Fe is a big hub for the new age movement. So we see power structures immediately developing, yeah. even with newer developments in spirituality. Okay. And would you also agree that there's a certain type of personality which is more attracted to this yeah. kind of powers like, say, religion, religious power or political power? Or to, to strong figures oh. making decisions. Well, yes, I, I think both of those are interesting because when there's a, a, an attraction, first of all, to a strong figure, quite often that we could surmise, and, and as a psychologist, I've seen that it is true, there is a need for a strong figure to follow quite blindly, even, mm-hmm. as long as that figure is strong and takes the place of what is a developmental lack in the person's psychological history mm-hmm. the father or the mother was not present mm-hmm. uh, or or the the uh, uh rather than father or mother there was a lack of of uh strong nurturing parenting mm-hmm. okay because mm-hmm. traditional models of father and mother don't necessarily mm-hmm. uh, hold up anymore it's yeah. the child needs parenting yeah. nurturance mm-hmm. firmness if not They'll constantly look for that parent throughout their life in terms of a strong figure. Then if their inclinations are more towards spirituality, they may choose religion to find that figure. Mm-hmm. If their their inclinations are not spiritual at all, they'll look for it somewhere. And uh, politics is just a hotbed of, of group groupiness <laughs> it's yeah. one big click yeah. and it it has its leaders and and uh, people can rivet on a leader and follow them blindly you mm-hmm. know they become the parent that they never had yeah but also those who usurp this power i mean the one in charge yeah does this also acquire a certain kind of personality to, to oh, want to probably. want to be on top yes oh that that's that is a a very good point, Edith. You, the one who needs to be on top is always the one who feels most at the bottom. It comes from a that that need, that compulsion to be on top, comes from a a disabling sense of inadequacy mm-hmm. that is being compensated for. So they feel like nothing, so they become everything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Isn't that what I often say? Yes, indeed you do, D-Cup. Indeed you do. Yes, yes. Could one simplistically say that someone who knows who they are doesn't have the special need to gain so much power? Right, exactly. In fact, would be reluctant. Uh, This is the reluctant leader that's so effective. We Perhaps, I don't know. I don't know enough about him. Perhaps it was Zelensky? who never viewed himself in this position mm-hmm. and now has had to stand up and take I don't know. I mm-hmm. don't know enough about him. But uh, certainly he has been admired for, for coming to the fore and in time of, of, of incredible need for his country. But yes, I think the most effective leaders quite often are the ones who are find themselves thrust into that position, not out of choice, but out of the need of the people for help. May I also ask about the part of the the past of Mexico's or New Mexico's past? Because we spoke about the influence of the Catholic religion, and there's also a strong um, part in in your book about the indigenous myth, how they influence um, certain certain parts in your book, and and how how Mother Juana um, wields her power. And how much influence is there? F- 
in this regard from Mexico in New Mexico? Ah, yeah. In New Mexico, uh, New Mexico is uh, I my my uh, lineage in New Mexico paternally. Uh, the Italians came from Naples in 1880, mm -hmm. so the 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 paternal lineage has mm -hmm. been here for for that long. Uh, the maternal lineage goes back maybe a few thousand years. Uh, my my grandmother was uh, a Native American, a Saleta mm -hmm. Indian. Mm -hmm. And uh, then also the Spanish influences there. So we we are native New Mexicans are are mestizos. They're mixed mm -hmm. bloods. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have uh, European heritage as well as native heritage, and all of that comes to to into play in each of my novels. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have we have the the mixing within goddess of everything of the the colonization of catholicism yep. into a culture that uh that had its own spirituality very inherent it, uh, spirituality to the native americans uh was not an organized religion yeah. it 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 was a it was a way of life mm -hmm. okay it was a, a way of dealing with uh, uh one's relationship to others and to nature mm -hmm. Uh, and so it was an integral part of life, but it wasn't a, a codified religion. Mm -hmm. Catholicism then colonized it. And to this day, you'll see in native cultures with those in the Pueblos, there is a Catholic church, but also there's the the uh, respect for their own native traditions. And that's tolerated by the church, not tolerated, it's even encouraged mm -hmm. now, whereas mm -hmm. in the past, they were they were killed for mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So uh, here you have in each of the stories now with goddess of everything uh and an amalgam mm -hmm. of of, of uh, nature-based beliefs and the workings of the supernatural mm -hmm. understood and taken as 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 commonplace practically mm -hmm. uh the understanding that there is a world of spirits and uh that works uh regardless of religion Mm -hmm. And religion, as as Teacup mentioned, is only. <laughs> I, I think it was you, Teacup, uh, that that mentioned it was it was used as a vehicle mm -hmm. because what was really at work is spiritual influence, which was uh, they were they were raised with. It's, it's part of their everyday life. The world of spirits, nature, a good, evil. Mm -hmm. uh, there are witches, mm -hmm. and uh, in in the native culture, there are witches. Yeah. And there, there are healers. There yeah. are, and the witches, by and large, the powerful witches are female. Oh, they're all female. Oh. You know, practically, there are some male, but they're, in my opinion, <laughs> they're sort of hobbling along compared to the female. <laughs> the females are the ones that are very psychic, very intuitive, and uh, quite often, as with Mother Juana, come from a a, a disturbed past. Yeah, mm -hmm. you just mentioned uh, the female witches are more powerful than, let's say, the sorcerers or wizards. How strong is the role of the women in the Mexican or New Mexican culture? Mm. Because I once saw a documentary about a, I think it was a village in Mexico, where the the women held all the power. They had the money. They made the decisions and so on. I can't remember where exactly, but is is it different then culture-wise in the Mexican culture? Or was it different? Did it change because of the influence of the Catholic Church? The, the people you're talking about, were the indigenous people or indigenous people? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, you're asking such wonderful questions, such charged uh, emotionally uh, questions. It's all a matriarchy. The women, it is a matriarchy. It is the, a culture that is birthed by and nourished by and controlled by women. Now, what's what's fascinating with that is the is the macho dynamic where males think that they're the ones that are, you know, and they're strutting around. In actuality, uh, they're mama's boys. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's uh uh, the the control is really matriarchal, mm -hmm. and and it's still it really is the 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 mothers have the primary influence even in New Mexican culture, even in uh, in Mexican culture as well, and in 
in uh, native Indian culture and even in religion. You know, the 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 there's God the Father, but I, I'll tell you who rules uh, is the Virgin Mary. Yes, indeed. You get in New Mexico culture, and it's Our Lady of Guadalupe. So you have again a mother complex at work <laughs> here. The, the undergirding just a, just by uh, parenthetically. Uh, the New Yorker had a wonderful article on on the erosion of the mafia in Calabria. Okay. And the Calabrian mafia are some of the most vicious, even more vicious mm-hmm. than the Neapolitan and Sicilian. The Calabrian ma- mafia is being eroded because of the women. Oh. And and they made, they made a, it was a wonderful article, very long article. But what they said is the women got tired of... <laughs> of allowing the men so much latitude because <laughs> because they were relegated to the background when they were the the power literally behind the throne so they 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 were seeing that uh things were never going to change unless they changed it and what was happening is that they they uh through their through their times of talking together over a couple of generations, just two or three generations, and the shift has been noted, they decided to change things up. Yeah. And they didn't have anything to do with the inner circle of the, the good old boys mafiosi. <laughs> yeah. But they had direct access to something that the good old boys didn't. Mm. That is the raising of the children. Mm. Yeah. They began to, to indoctrinate the children with regard to the importance of being good people and to questioning hmm. and to being their own individuals which went against the and so the and the children began to decide not to join them. yeah so <laughs> oh, sorry 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 i have to pause because the church the church bells are ringing <laughs> <laughs> and this is fitting <laughs> very fitting but it's very loud we are we're living right across from from the church so i'm i'm sorry about that <laughs> oh i i can't hear anything here yeah so. you, you but our microphones will pick it up eventually yeah. i'm afraid okay. so the books are dramatizations of the light and dark within every individual mm. and we 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 have extremes played out because it's dramatic fiction mm. About the women and the power they wield. I mean, come to think of the Catholic Church. I mean, when I think of the villages here in Austria, I mean, without the women mm-hmm. attending church, taking care of the church, cleaning and so on, and so on, decorating, there wouldn't be anyone else who would be there. That's the same here in New Mexico. Same in other places I've seen in in Europe. Um, yeah, sure, um, sure. Regarding the things you said about the mafia. <laughs> I think mean, while the men were strutting around and doing their business, the women decided to change things. And when the point the men re- maybe realized what's happening, it was too late because they were like playing the long game, wasn't it? Hmm. That's right. That's right. So yeah, very powerful bit... position the mothers have. Oh, yeah. Indeed. Being a bit clandestine because the others are the bosses. They think they're above anything else and they might not see the danger. They don't see the danger, right? They're they're all powerful, right? Well, and there's uh, another thing to. There was a variable they didn't consider. <laughs> oh yes, indeed. You said playing the long game. Isn't that what women usually do? Yes, yes. But uh, unfortunately, us men are are short sighted and ah. don't catch on very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> or some, or perhaps uh, some men are. Uh, I'll say. <laughs> Because in your book, I mean. Gabriel is the son of Mother Juana, her, yes. her biological son. His wife also sees right through his mother, right from the beginning. Right, right. He, she sees right, and she loves Gabriel, but Gabriel fights her. Mm. This cannot be the case. Uh, this is my mother. Mm. She loves me. And, of course, uh, Gabriel, part of the story and goddess of, of everything is that she was the mother was such a dominant figure for him growing up and uh, he had lost his father so yep. he was completely dependent on her and you see this with children of course where you can actually have a bad parent that a child then reconstructs in their mind as good and that happens so that the child can then feel safe in the world yeah 
and uh, Gabriel, even as a, as an adult man in his early 30s, still had that illusion of, of the all-good mother, and his wife could see the truth. But there was no way to get through to him mm-hmm. until he had gone through enough. And then he saw for himself. And uh, she was a, a very loving person and never said, I told you so. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, Exactly, exactly. And she wasn't bad-mouthing his mother because she knew it no, wouldn't, no. It wouldn't yeah. work. It would backfire. Yeah, her. yeah. Exactly. And she had too much integrity for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his um friend and 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 mentor, he also told him it's necessary for him to make decisions. Decisions uh make a man. Yes. They make a human being, of course, for all of us the decisions, but here what was it what was hanging in the balance is his his sense of being a man. Mm-hmm. Uh what does it mean to be a man? Mm-hmm. And uh Women go through the same thing, of course. What does it mean to be a woman for myself, for yeah. the world, relationship? What does it mean to be a man? And to him, it was integral mm-hmm. to his way of thinking that he was devoted mm-hmm. to his mother. Mm-hmm. The whole world, uh, the whole regional uh, world, uh, that that the whole area of the Southwest venerated his mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was yeah. a miracle worker. Yeah. She she helped scores of children, and then we find out what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. And and you know he, he to be fair to Gabriel, he didn't know yeah. about all of this. Uh, but there were enough signs he could have seen through. Yeah, yeah. Is it that because she's a mother superior, that people in certain positions um, they get from from the population to get more trusted? and um, respect it and so it's easier for them to do certain thing, things than if they were a regular person oh sure sure there's there's especially uh with 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 religion i was thinking of our dichotomy between religion and politics with politics yeah. it's it's almost the opposite you know uh the, the attitude i'm not sure how it is for you in in vienna but here it's you know uh, there uh, uh, there is no good politician <laughs> there are only tolerable politicians yes uh, you know within religion it's almost the opposite or at yeah. least has been you know there's automatic trust yeah, in yeah. in the clergy uh there's automatic trust in the priest automatic trust in 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 uh, the sister in the nun yeah. because they are in a sense representatives of god or in, in fact within catholicism are representatives yeah. of god so there's enormous power built in you are giving immediate and total trust and uh entrusting uh, them and and their teachings and what they say and uh and here it was not only was she mother superior but she was his mother Mm-hmm. So the mother complex itself, hmm. where he had reconstructed her in his mind as a little boy to be all good and all loving, yeah. very dominant woman who who, yep. who uh, wielded that that attitude and and that force from childhood in him, and and that's very hard. Uh, Saint Ignatius of Loyola, which both of you, yeah, yeah, yeah. are, are Jesuits, uh, yeah, Jesuits. He yeah. said, "Give me a child from birth to age seven, and." You'll have a Catholic for yeah. life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that indoctrination goes in early, yeah. and to undo that is is very very difficult. So he had to undo the 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 thought that his mother could be not just his mother, but a woman revered as a saint, mm, yeah. could be anything but pure good. Yeah, but isn't fact, it also true? Sorry, isn't it also true? I mean, in political way, or, or when we think of children who were recruited as soldiers, child soldiers, uh, when they're indoctrinated yeah. at, at an early age, yeah, absolutely true. The yeah. the political indoctrination is is uh, very powerful. Yeah. We visited uh, Berlin. We were on the east side mm-hmm. uh, a few years back. We talked to people, uh, older people, you know, older than us, who were raised uh, under the, uh, the the communist yep. Uh, yep. regime, and they said they liked it. And there was a complete giving of self over to the political indoctrination of it. And uh, we talked to them about pros and cons. Very smart people, very smart. 
And they had their point of view and uh, they did not like the new system. I guess there's, that's the reason why, doesn't matter which kind of regime, starts young. The younger, the better. That's right. The younger, the better. They had been, they were born into it. Yeah. And and so they they didn't see, I mean, they would not be, they their ideas, they weren't interested in changing. It was working for them and it, it had been there since childhood and There was no, in psychology, we speak about ego dissonance, uh, something that is just feels right for me. Mm-hmm. There was no dissonance for me. They were egocentric. Mm-hmm. They, they, they felt it was all right. There was no conflict. Mm-hmm. And so they would continue. So in the church, uh, even though it is a power-ridden church, you see this today, yeah. where uh, people refuse to see the dark side of religion. And because they were raised to feel that that all of religion is good and the church is all knowing and all good, and when the Pope speaks uh, ex cathedra, yep. that that is the voice of God, God. and there can yep. be no mistakes. And it's like, okay, we need to rethink this now. But okay. I think it, it's also easier to go along than uh, to question it. Uh, it's a little easier to go along than to, to question. go along with what they're told and what the. Yes, um, yeah. regime tells them then to to question it and maybe doubt yourself or your own opinions and whatever what you always believed. Oh yes, yes. Uh, there's looking at religion. Uh, another author, another author. I'll promo his 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 book here for just a moment because he addresses religion. Dan Silva in his book The Order. I don't know if you're familiar with that, mm-hmm. Be, but he addresses uh, Dan Sil- Silva is a wonderful thriller mm-hmm. writer. But he he go he always addresses a historically correct situation and uh, then extrapolates on facts and uh, then moves into a, a story and this takes place in the Vatican mm-hmm. and it is a thriller and uh, regarding uh, the the churches behind the scenes the churches uh, collusion with vis a vis Pius the twelfth with Hitler mm-hmm. and all. The, The, the damage that was inflicted yeah. as the result of that. And um, uh, so so you you have individuals here who just don't want to believe, don't want to see. Mm-hmm. But behind the scenes, this is at work. You see this in the Netflix thriller, which is a, an Italian thriller taking place in Rome, Subaru. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, It's taking place, uh, the mafia boss of, of Rome says, there are three powers in, in Rome. Mm-hmm. He said, politics, sex, and religion. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this true in a lot of cities? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> and, 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 and the power and the, the intrigue there in, in Subura is, is, is that of, of religion wielding power alongside the mafia mm. and and you know yeah. actual facts yeah. uh, in, including the Vatican bank scandal mm. uh so you have you you see the um you I may mean, have seen the, the god we're speaking a lot. I mean in when What's you think that? of I mean even when you think of the name of the Vatican bank isn't it against yes. their own rules in some way uh, maybe uh, <laughs> you would think you would think, did you did you see the godfather Uh, Godfather no, no, no. Three. Actually, no, 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 not yet. Not yet. Right. I know there's, I should. There, there's a marvelous scene where uh, El Pacino is the Godfather. Yeah, he's finally become. He's gone up the ranks, becomes a Godfather, and it's at the time of the Vatican Bank scandal, and the mafia. It was reputed to have been right, and including the American mafia in the Vatican Bank scandal, and so El Pacino is a faithful New York mafiosi he is the boss and uh he's been pulled in and shocked at what what he finds out about the church and so he goes to sicily to visit the old godfather and he says is there no one with any integrity within the church and because he's shocked at what he finds out with regards to the money we wielding and dealing and he the the old uh the old man says there is one cardinal go to him and he'll tell you what to do So there's a beautiful scene of Pacino and the old cardinal in the Palazzo, and 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 there it's an inner courtyard, and there's this this um, and Pacino asks the cardinal, 
what can I do? How can this be? Because the Cardinal tells him what's happening with the Vatican Bank mm -hmm. and the money and, and, and how the, the president of the bank hung himself over the, yep. the, the uh, Tiber River. Yeah. And, um, and uh, the, the Cardinal says, uh, tells Pacino, he says, go to the, the fountain there. <clears throat> that fountain is 500 years old. He said, it has had water flowing through it for 500 years and pick out a large stone. Mm -hmm. and Pacino goes and gets a hand-sized stone, and he says, now get this stone and smash it against the the, walk, the, the, the the walkway here. And Pacino smashes it. He said, now bring it to me. And he says, what do you see? He says, I see a smashed stone. He says, no. He said, the outside is wet. The inside is dry. He said, so it is here in Rome and the Vatican. We are surrounded by the teachings of Christ, but nothing has reached us. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm, yeah. <laughs> power yeah, and power corrupts right? yeah yeah it does and uh, like you mentioned about rome and politics and, and sex and religion and i had to think about the time when the pope had to leave rome and go to france uh, because he had mm -hmm. to move and there was this saying uh, about the, the city he moved to there was one there was one uh whole house and when they left the whole city was a whole house so <laughs> Might there you true. go. There, yeah, there, you, there go. you go. That's that's right. That's right. There you go. <laughs> yes, it's uh, that's that's true. Mm. That's true. I'm I'm reading the. Uh, are you familiar with Giordano Bruno? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, I I began to read him, and then my wife and I traveled to Prague, mm -hmm. and we were staying at the uh, at the at this boutique hotel. And we went into our hotel suite, mm -hmm. and we saw that the, this was a Giordano Bruno suite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is where he stayed in actuality before uh, he was the Inquisition caught up with him, mm -hmm. and then he was uh, uh, killed in, in Rome. But he was uh, at the University of Naples, and I'm reading a, a thriller hmm. series about Giordano Bruno and the University of Naples as having been at one point the uh the the liter literary hub and philosophical hub yeah. of of Europe yeah. and uh that was Thomas Aquinas taught there and leading intellectuals taught there but of of central <laughs> note is that the monasteries the dominican monasteries and the clerics frequented uh the the uh, in the in the late hours of night you know mm -hmm. the bars and yep. the ladies of the night yeah, and that yeah. was just commonplace. Yeah. Nothing was out of it. <laughs> mm, yeah, very true. I can't believe that. I can't believe that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like right, I said, right, right. there was nothing in your book which was very shocking to me. Uh -huh. I mean, that, that's good. That's, I enjoyed that's it. Good. I enjoyed reading mm -hmm. it uh, because I also enjoyed the fact of being in people's heads. There's a lot of, of, mm -hmm. of being in people's heads as a, as a reader. I enjoyed that. And like I said, I wasn't put off, but I'm not squeamish. She's a bit squeamish. I'm, I'm not that squeamish. Oh, boy. <laughs> but I think when, when you read something, and it's a bit too much for you because whatever the reason, you can always take a break mm. or skim a bit over the next few lines and so on and then read on where it's okay for you to read. So it's uh, no reason to... Yeah. Put it away completely. No, and you didn't kill a dog, so yeah, that's okay. Humans are okay. -ish. <laughs> never, ki never kill an animal. That's the rule for every crime fiction writer, usually. <laughs> and may I also ask you, Paul, uh, about your advice for any other writer, no matter the genre? What would be your advice for any other writer? Uh, new writers, uh, yeah, aspiring authors, yeah. for example, aspiring authors. I always tell aspiring authors, you know, I've been in the writing business uh, since 85. And I found that um, if you feel it, write it and stay with it. A, a good colleague of mine, Michael Eigen in New York, a professor of psychoanalysis and mysticism at New York mm -hmm. University, has written more books than Freud, literally at this point. And I'm in a weekly study group with Mike. And he said, if you just keep writing, you get better. 
and you find that there are people who want to read what you have to say. You have more experiences, you have input, your your writing grows, changes, and just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I tell writers. If you feel it, just keep doing it. And only just stuck to what you know? I would say uh, to stay with what you feel mm-hmm. uh, and always be growing. I, I don't ever approach my, my stories in a formulaic way. I do write dramatic thrillers because I, I, I enjoy reading them. And, and um, I think that life is a dramatic thrill ride. So I go with what I feel. I Right now, for instance, if somebody came to me with a book contract for a political thriller and, and would say, Paul, I think it would be growthful for you to expand outside the realm of uh, spirituality and religion and psychology, write a political thriller. I, I don't have it in me. I don't mm-hmm. feel it. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel it. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe at some point, mm-hmm. but I don't feel it. So I have to feel it. And then there are so many realms of experience with what I do know and what I do feel to explore. And hopefully that will resonate with some people and some readers and they'll find it uh, helpful, mm-hmm. enjoyable, mm-hmm. and maybe even satisfying. Mm-hmm. May I also ask about the structure of your book? Because I told, I said, <laughs> it was quite surprising that at the beginning you have those long chapters uh-huh. and coming towards the end, uh, your chapters are shorter. And writing shorter chapters, we agree on that, uh, Think yeah. Teacup, makes for a faster pace. Yes. Is that why you did it? To get it, to get it, to make it faster, to... To move it along faster, the story, the plot. So was it intentional, the shorter chapters, or just the way you it de- developed? You know, I, I I I wish I could. I really wish I could tell you everything was intentional. <laughs> <laughs> I what I can assure you, and uh, I, I come. My family is a family of artists and writers, and uh, we all are. Uh, my, we have three artists, three writers, three visual artists, three writers. And 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 they say, Dad, I always, my daughters say, Dad, I always remember you say you get up every day and hit the page running, okay? <laughs> Which means I see what comes. Uh-huh. And what happens is that inevitably, about midpoint in the novel, things start picking up steam uh-huh. more yeah. and yeah. more. The background has been set. Yeah. The characters have been fleshed out. And then the action starts getting more and more intense. And you feel it. The, the chapters are shorter and things are moving more. Qu- and it's out of my control. The train is going down the track and I'm going to see where it's going <laughs> to yeah, you, you sit back and just record. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> and Paul, may I also ask you about your future plans? What's next? I mean, you've touched a little bit upon that, but can you elaborate for our listeners a little bit? Yes, I'm. I at this point, I'm moving away from organized religion into other facets of spirituality. Uh, I have what seems to be it seems it's it's emerging as a series called Seer, mm-hmm. and uh, it's about the work of Dr. Ernesto de la Tierra. He's a, uh, a a transpersonal psychologist. He's a metaphysical psychologist in Santa Fe, and he's going to go through his cases. And the first book is Seer, The Case of the Man Who Lost His Soul. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. And uh, it's looking at not organized religion, but about New Age movement and uh, various spiritualities associated with it and uh, how darkness slowly begins to infiltrate and the hazards mm-hmm. and uh, the critical realization that uh, the human soul can be lost. Mm-hmm. And then the question posed, can it be found? Mm-hmm. Can it be retrieved? Mm-hmm. And this is also a thriller. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's, he's working with his patient. And uh, it's a realm of dreams, supernatural mm-hmm. intrigue. And what seems like, and of course, I always have to see how, where the train ends up, as I say, <laughs> going to be a rather startling conclusion. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sounds intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot to ask you that. I had it on my paper here. Do dreams play a larger role in the indigenous uh, myth than it usually does in our world, in our Western world? Dreams are natural. Mm-hmm. I, I believe they're natural for all of us as human beings. And the more we pay attention to them, uh, the more they'll speak to us. 
It's as though the unconscious mind says, oh, you know, I'm here and I'm willing <laughs> to speak to you and help you. Then good. Let's get on with things. Mm -hmm. And I will. In the native culture, that's taken for granted. Mm -hmm. And that's assumed mm -hmm. for us as, as in, in uh, as more acculturated cultures, uh, we have to uh, learn that. And that may be a propensity and inclination that we have. Hmm, dreams have always intrigued me. Or other people say, oh, forget it. It's just about <laughs> what I ate for dinner that night. And you'll never, you'll never convince them otherwise. And I respect those people. Mm -hmm. Because what's interesting is even with these people, they'll, they'll say, you know, the guy at the, at the bar joking with his beer or the woman, uh, you know, just uh, saying the same thing after she's had her shot of whiskey, you know, <laughs> she's saying, but I had, I, I do remember this one dream. And it's, there's always an influential dream or two or three that they've had in their life that once the door is open, they begin to say, they said, you know, I never forgot that dream. And, um, and then you look at how their life has evolved. I, I do, I just do a snapshot. And I say, and that I didn't tell them that that dream influenced you and where you're at right now. Oh. Oh. So the, the dream world will influence us whether we're conscious of it or not. It's best and most helpful if we are conscious of it and the workings of it, because then we can cooperate mm -hmm. and, and we yield to the workings of nature rather than fighting so hard against it and mm -hmm. becoming neurotic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's hope. There's yep. hope. And there's offer. I, I would say there's always hope. There's always hope. And when we understand dreams, as we see in each of the novels, uh, Goddess of Everything, replete with dreams. When we understand dreams, the psychologist William James always stated that when there is psychological understanding, there is always hope. Mm -hmm. We are never left in a position of despair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when we have the understanding of a dream, when we understand what a dream says, it's, it's very simple, mm -hmm. actually. There's mm -hmm. always a message of hope. Mm -hmm. If you do this, then this. Mm -hmm. So if the outcome is bad, if you do this, then the outcome is bad. That's hopeful, isn't it? Because mm. it's it's giving us a choice. Or if it's saying, if you go this way, then this, and it will be good. That's hopeful, obviously. Yeah, it is. And Paul, mm. is there anything else you would like our listeners to know? Anything else you would like to share? Well, I, I would like to share that this has been a wonderful experience being with the both of you. You're, you're both very uh, engaging and very warm. And it's... There's an easy flow to our, our conversation and your sincerity is obvious to me. Thank so, you. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for joining us. It was a pleasure meeting you. It was mm -hmm. a pleasure talking to you. And for me as well, it was very much a pleasure. Thank you. You did enjoy this episode as much as we did? Then hit subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Also, make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. If you like to support us and buy us a coffee, you can do so via Buy Me Coffee and other platforms. You can find all the necessary links in the description. Until next time.